You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. And I appreciate that. Cabo Nation, what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 242. You heard that right, episode 242 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Do this for me. Do this for me, man. Get this done for me. Pause this episode, then go rate, review, and if you haven't already, punch down on that subscribe button, then get right back to it because we have a great one for you. Also, man, also actually this, get this done for me too. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. Would greatly appreciate it. Today's show, Sam S. Fandiari, co-host of the Light Years Podcast, joins in to talk Warriors basketball, the G League bubble, and more. You could find Sam on Twitter at Sam S. Fandiari. That's S-A-M-E-S-F-A-N-D-I-A-R-I. You know you can find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Sam Esfandiari, welcome to Combo's Court. How you feeling today, man? Pretty good. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Tell me more about your pod, man. A Golden State Warriors pod. Tell me more about it. Tell me more about Blue Wire. All right. So my podcast is called the Light Years Pod. Uh, it's kind of a play on that Joe Lacob quote back when, you know, Warriors were at the height of their powers. He he said the organization is light years ahead of everyone else. So seemed uh, like okay. a good little pun to make the name there. Um, we cover the Warriors. We've been doing this for six, seven years, audio form. And that's what it's about. I mean, we, we do general NBA. We try to have fun with it. But first and foremost, our focus on the Warriors. Nice. Okay. Weird season for the Warriors, right? Not really a contender. Not really rebuilding. Steph is playing great. And all the Warriors fans want to let everybody know that Steph is playing great. <laughs> all the Warrior podcasters want to let everybody know Steph is uh, playing great. I want to get to the G League bubble, but just general thoughts on this season. Yeah, it's kind of weird because of what you're saying. They're they're not tanking, but it really is Steph, uh, Draymond, and a bunch of projects. Really, like Andrew Andrew Wiggins has played really well. Kind of, um, nice. you know, kind of proves or kind of gives credence to the idea. You know, get him out of Minnesota, get him in a situation that makes more sense, and you'll you'll see the player he's capable of being. Um, but then, like a lot of the rest of the roster, you know, James Wiseman all the talent in the world, but he is 19, right? Um, you have guys like Juan Toscano Anderson, who's been one of the best stories of the season, but, you know, he's kind of a journeyman fighting his way through the G League. I mean, he's still on a two-way contract, and we can go down the line. It's just a very young team, not really uh, – it's really just the Seth show every night. I don't know how else to put it. Like, he's playing out of his mind, but uh, it, it kind of feels a little like um, – 2006 Kobe or um, you know maybe maybe even like uh, Russell Westbrook's 2017 season where it's like you know this is a seven or eight seed you but it's only a seven or eight seed because you have that one guy who can like literally 
drive the team to about 500, but they have no real shot at being better than that. They're just, they're still dangerous because they have one of those guys who on any given night can be the best player on the court, but they're kind of just tre- treading along in the middle. From an individual standpoint, uh, Steph's season this year compared to his unanimous MVP season. Man, it's so it's hard to to fight with the uh, the unanimous MVP season just because the team was so good. Like I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. gonna be I'm gonna be a little uh, you know I'm gonna be biased here, but I don't. That's the most fun I've ever had watching a basketball team uh, because they were incredible. One, yeah, one they won 73 games. Two, it was like. I swear every other night was close into the fourth quarter. So they weren't blowing teams out as much as you, you would think a dominant team would. It was like every game goes to the last five minutes and then Steph Curry puts on a show. That was kind of the whole season. I would argue he's actually a better player this year than he was in 2016, mostly because he's just smarter. Same way we're all smarter when we're 30, you know, 32 than when we're 27. Yeah. yeah. And the athleticism um, hasn't declined enough. So it's kind of, and he's, str- and he's stronger. Um, yeah. Uh, he, that's you true. could knock that's him through, you know, yes. he, it was easier to knock him off ball, hold him, grab him in 2016 than it is now. Um, the, the last thing is actually, it's the first thing I mentioned the intelligence. Um, I think back to 2016 team started throwing gimmick defenses at him and he didn't really know how to handle them. Like, the Spurs probably stick out most in my mind, you know, pop great coach. They started uh, overplaying the three point shot, like guarding him on his hip on the side, literally 100%. giving him the lane. They're like, Get, go take layups. We don't care. And in 2016, he didn't know what to do with that because he, he just wants to, you know, he wants to do his crossover and sidestep three. And he had some terrible games against the Spurs. I think he was like five for 25, one of the games or something like that, where it's just like, he played right into the, what the defense wanted this year Spurs pull out that same defense on him, takes him all of two seconds to figure out, all right, I'm just going to live, going to live at the uh, rim, live at the line. I think he had 15. I think he had 15 shots at the rim that game. They, they just kind of made the calculated decision. They're like, we're not letting you beat us from three. And he's like, that's fine. I'll, you know, I'll go 13 for 14 at the rim. That works too. My so, biggest no yeah, subtle differences. Yeah, my biggest concern before the season was is that the gimmicky defenses would get more gimmicky because there's just not as much gravity around him. Have you seen that? Yes and no. Um, they played Toronto and Indiana back to back earlier in the season. Indiana's uh, head coach um, was Toronto's lead assistant. He was, he was uh, Nick Nurse's lead assistant. So, like, you know, two of the more creative coaches you're going to find in terms of defenses. And they were doing kind of hybrid box and one on him. And yeah. he was having a hard, they were, they were having a hard time figuring out how to adjust to it. They've now found a little bit of a groove in terms of how to use uh, Steph's gravity for the betterment of the team. Uh, but I also feel like part of that is all their big men are hurt. Draymond's playing the five. They're super spaced out. Uh, they've now put the ball almost exclusively in Draymond's hands. I mean, he might as well be the point guard. Um, and I think 50% of that is just because he can't shoot the ball anymore. And, uh, but, but you know what, it makes more sense, right? Like he is still an excellent passer and an excellent decision maker. So they've kind of uh, leaned yeah. even more into playing Steph off ball. And I think that's taken away a lot of it because early in the season, they were running him more like, uh, you know, kind of how we traditionally see where he's on ball and off ball, like 50-50 and, you know, running some sets as a traditional point guard and some sets where he's more off ball. Now it's just kind of off ball all the time. 
And um, that might be the counter they have to go with just for this specific roster. I have to be fully transparent with you and injuries are the worst. I'm dealing with some knee stuff myself from my playing days, but you know, and I feel bad for clay, just terrible, but I will be honest with you. I didn't think they were a contender, even if clay played, am I crazy? No, I, I think the argument against that would be if clay doesn't get hurt, they do different things in free agency. That's um, true. That's true. I, yeah. I think they felt like they had a really good shot at signing someone like Nick Batum or Marcus Gasol, you know, kind of those veterans chasing a good situation. Yeah. Both of them clearly fit the way the Warriors like to play. And with Batum, um, the way he's playing, I mean, yeah. that would have made sense, you know? Yeah. But I mean, Clay Thompson got, you know, he tore his Achilles the day before free agency. If I'm a veteran who's looking to go to a contender, like they're immediately off my list right there. And I think uh, yeah. they realized it too. So most of their moves were like, let's get someone who maybe we can develop for next year because this year is now kind of a holding pattern year. So I do agree with you. If Clay was on this roster, I mean, they'd be dangerous, but I don't know if they're a contender, but in theory, if Clay never gets hurt, hopefully they do something different, you know, maybe man four through seven in the rotation. Most definitely. How uh, have you been paying attention to the G League bubble? Have you been paying attention? I have been, man. It's fun. Uh, it's uh, So it's, it's worth noting the Warriors have the Wolves pick top three protected, okay. which means um, – and the Wolves currently have the worst record in the NBA, so there's a chance it won't convey. But Warrior fans are kind of um, going along with this idea that it is going to convey. It's going to be the fourth or fifth pick in the draft, which means – someone like a Jalen Green or Jonathan Kuminga is maybe in play for them. In, in some ways, it feels like the Celtics five years ago, you know, when they were kind of a middle of the road team, but they also had those Nets picks. So they yep. were kind of like, ooh, you know, do we want Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum, who, you know, that type of thing. But at the same time, they also had like Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, and this like fun, you know, kind of dangerous team. Yeah, okay. So Kaminga, this is my thing. This is my thing. This is what I'm seeing. I think if he has one crazy breakout game, and obviously he's been playing great already, but let's say he has a game where he gets four or five threes, right? We're going to see this consensus turn towards Kaminga to number one, in my opinion. I don't think Kaminga should be number one, in my opinion. I just think that's where consensus could go, and we're not too far away from that. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it feels like I, I don't know what Cade Cunningham would have to do to like get dislodged exactly. from number one at this point, just cause like he has the size that yes. Kuminga has. Uh, he can play both ways and he's essentially a point guard. He's like a six, seven point guard. I mean, I would say more, I, I would say more in terms of media perception than actual NBA team perception. Cause last year, the thing with Killian Hayes was, you know, the media, like some media members were having him number one and that was never right. really a thing within the NBA. I think this year Sharif Cooper is higher among media than actual NBA teams. And uh, in terms of media, He's I think Kaminga, well. yeah, he is. He is. I think Kaminga will be, you know, if, if he just has a few crazy, crazy games, I think, you know, we'll hear that narrative. But Cade, in I'm, my opinion, should be number one. I mean, just looking at the pro, so just looking at the prospects, I think the Warriors would have Cade or would have sorry Kuminga one or two, just based on the type of players they like. I mean, he he projects as a prototypical two way wing. Yeah, um, the Warriors love size it, there's an irony to like Steph being probably the greatest warrior of all time when he retires and kind of the player you think of when you think of the franchise right did, did, the, did Wilt play for the Warriors 
He did, but yeah. uh, but only in Philly and only for about four years before he went to the Sixers. So it's one of those. I mean, it's like KD, right? Like KD is probably a better player than Steph Curry, but he will have only spent three years with the Warriors. So it's like better player versus kind of you know endearment to the fans and kind of uh, that that whole that whole story. Um, the Warriors love rangy two way wings more than anything like they're big on size probably more than most teams which is ironic because they're kind of the team that's most associated with small ball but like you see it with the Wiseman pick they they get really enamored with size and tools and Kuminga I mean you can you can kind of squint your eyes and be like that reminds me of Kawhi Leonard or stuff like that and I'm not that, saying but that's almost like, every two-way prospect right yeah it is right kind of yeah. has the potential <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's playing out of his mind right now. He looks yeah. excellent. Minus the three point shot. You're right. He just has not hit it with any sort of consistently in the bubble, but yeah. I can just see uh, specific teams and the Warriors would be one of them just thinking a lot higher of him. And it almost in some level, like betting on themselves to develop them similar, like the Celtics with uh, Tatum and Brown. They're like, we think we're so uh, cutting edge with development and kind of ahead of the curve that we can take this raw you know, a player with all the physical attribute and tools and kind of turn him into a player. On a big board, would you have your top five offhand? Who you would have? Top five, definitely. I, I move it around, but it's it's Cade, uh, Mobley. Um, Cade, Mobley, Suggs, Kuminga, and Green at this point. Wow. And that okay. just seems, that just okay, seems so, to be the consensus. Yeah. So I'm Cade, Kuminga, Mobley, Green, Suggs. Okay. Oh, I yeah. wasn't even going in order. I I, I kind of oh, can't decide. Okay. I can't decide where I want to put Jalen Suggs because like Gonzaga is such a machine and he's not asked to do that much. But then when you yeah. watch him, you're like, that guy, there is no chance that guy busts. He's going to be a good NBA oh, player. That, yeah, just, that's the thing. Just green ceiling is higher in my opinion. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I go back and forth on that one a little bit. So it's that one's the toughest one for me. I would put Kuminga third, I guess, if you were to ask me. I'd have the top three, um, Cade, Mobley, Kuminga, and then I'm just, you know, bouncing back and forth between the two Jalens, depending on who uh, who looked best in the most recent game I saw. <laughs> Any thoughts on uh, Deshaun Nix? What do you think? He's like, he's like, uh, I'm a huge know, fan. <laughs> he, you know, they, they call him slow. I mean, I don't think he's slow. I just don't think he has the most explosive first step. You know, he's a really He's Smart like a super, player. he's like a super sized Khalid Alamine, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's tough, a, man. I like him. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Uh, just aesthetically, I like my type of player. I like the players who kind of go at their own pace yeah. and are able to pull it off. Like, it's kind of fun that he's, um, I mean, he's a thicker guy in general. He's got kind of yeah. like a hardness build and that sort of yeah. stuff. And these guys guy. bounce off of him. Anytime he gets a guy in his hip, he does whatever he wants with them. And it's fun to watch. I think he'll be a good player. I think the thing that sticks out to me is I did not realize uh, how big he was, both like height-wise and just kind of like body-wise. What, what do they have him listed as? 6'5"? Yeah, he's a big guard. He, you know, if he you just looks... if you just glance, you're not sure if he's one of the veterans or one of the – Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> most definitely most definitely um tell me more about james wiseman's development uh what have you been seeing um sometimes he looks great sometimes he doesn't look as good but what are you seeing from him well the, the first thing is uh it's very clear he played all of three college games and excuse me and you know those were at the beginning of the season i mean he looks like a kid who jumped from high school to the pros with all the physical tools um just a, a total mess on defense 
who then will just give you a highlight defensive play here or there. Like yes. you're talking about like closing out on someone where you're just like, I don't know how you, Oh, that's right. You have like an eight foot wingspan. You're seven to one, <laughs> you know, like that sort of stuff. Um, he is a work in progress. The thing that's most uh, encouraging to me is Steph and Draymond really like him. And typically veterans who are as accomplished as them really don't have that much time in the day for a 19 year old. Like they're yeah. a little more concerned with winning right now and they're all in. They, well, they Draymond seems him. like Draymond seems like he would be the guy that would continue to talk to the other guys though. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> he, he turns on guys really quick if he does not see them working hard. Like uh, they had D'Angelo Russell for a part of last year. I mean, if they didn't trade D'Angelo Russell, I was pretty sure Draymond was just going to fight him on the court at some point. Like he was losing his mind with like, and I'm talking um, just like lazy defensive rotations and just effort stuff. Like Draymond can't handle that stuff. He doesn't really care if you make or miss a shot. He cares if you're not like committed to doing your job in terms of rotating. And like he caught when he calls out for you to, you know, switch switch don't just stand there that sort of stuff so um even though Wiseman's kind of a work in progress he's super coachable and um he does everything they say and and they're a big fan of his work ethic I think that's the biggest thing I think uh they notice I mean you know you know better than anyone you notice when players actually work when the cameras aren't on and which ones are uh are not and he seems to have the respect of the locker room in that in that regard you mentioned D'Angelo Russell. Unfortunately, he's injured, but his teammates, he's, he's, he's slowly getting back into that rookie of the year race. I told, I told people he had the highest, like the two guys I was highest on. I probably say this every podcast. So probably people are annoying me. We're Halliburton and Edwards. I mean, Edwards is the number one pick. So right. not saying much. I'll ask you this um, on a redraft. Would you take Halliburton number two? No, um, only because, or even LaMelo or even LaMelo, LaMelo, I might LaMelo, I might because, and I'm a huge Halliburton. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, if they wanted to take Halliburton, I would have just tried to do a trade down. Like, honestly, he went 12. Why would you, um, I didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. I don't know why he fell to 12, but like, I figured he was going to go somewhere between five and seven, something in that range. Like once he got past, it's it's very clear why the top three guys went at the top because they're so young and they're the the potential is through the roof, whether they reach it or not. It's a different question. Uh, But LaMelo, I mean, he's just as young as Wiseman. He's just as inexperienced as him. And the feel is just like, I mean, I, I get shocked when I watch him play and I'm like, he's 19. Like just the, the, the overall feel is amazing. And the second thing is like the jump shots a lot better. than I thought I watched a few of those NBL games yeah. in Australia. And my thing with him was that thing looked borderline broke and he him and Lonzo been working. Him and Lonzo yeah. been working. You could tell Lonzo's, but putting in the man hours, you could tell and LaMelo as well. Absolutely. And, and that was my whole thing. It's like, I, I had a, I was like, if that shot comes around, he's going to be an all-star, you know, because he's, he's uh, too good a passer. He's just, he's too good at everything else to, to not be like a very productive player, but I wasn't sure how I felt about the jump shot. And I was wrong there because, you know, it's, it's not perfect, but it looks more than good enough to keep a defense honest. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Last thing before we get out of here, you got to tell me about Twitter's fascination with Juan T. What, what's the deal? Like what, what's the fascination? I mean, he plays hard, Local. you know, I like his game, but uh, local he's from Oakland. Okay. Um, 
Bay Area is hey. okay. very, um, I think every market is like this, but the Bay just, they love local kids more than, you know, I mean, like. Just like they love local music in that kind of way. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, Marshawn Lynch can do no wrong around these parts. Um, Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard. You know, if it wasn't for Steph Curry, he'd be the most popular basketball player in the Bay Area, but he's still pretty damn popular. You know, it's 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 a funny thing because, like, you know, you always see like the Steph versus Dame debates, and like uh, Warrior fans like won't really touch it because they don't want to put down Dame, but they definitely don't want to say he's better than Steph. It's like a little, it's like you know, it's like brother versus brother type of thing. They don't want to, they don't want to deal with that. So Juan's local, and then second. Um, it's a great story. I mean, eight points per game at Marquette was not considered a pro prospect went yeah. to play in the Mexican league, which is, I don't know how far down there in terms of if you're ranking international league. It's not that high level. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not, I don't even think it's as good as the Puerto Rican league. If we're talking Latin American, obviously it's not like Euro league or even the, NBA, of course, even the NBL, you know? So yeah. yeah. And um, he just scrapped his way up. And then, yeah, secondarily, it's like everyone loves the underdog guy who plays hard, who's diving for every loose ball, right. doing all that sort of stuff. And then, and then lastly, tying to the local thing, um, he was kind of the guy who was leading most of the warrior uh, BLM marches all throughout the summer just because he is from Oakland and he does have a lot of community ties with community leaders. So it was like you know, obviously we saw, you know, Steph was out there and Kent Bazemore and Clay, uh, you know, when he wasn't in a walking boot anyway, um, yeah. we're all doing the same thing. But Juan was really kind of the, um, the leader of that whole thing because of all his local community connections. So it's very easy to root for him. And that's, that's basically why. Phenomenal. Great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Uh, let us know where we could find you on social media and everywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow me on Twitter. It's my full name, Sam, at Samus Fandiari. You can also follow at Light Ears Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Um, those feeds were literally just, would just post whenever we do a new link on there. So if you're just trying to keep up with the podcast or various appearances, like I'll retweet this appearance on there so people can find it there and everything. Um, but yeah, those are the two best places. Sam, great stuff. You're always welcome back. Talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks, man anytime there it is another episode of combos court is in the books thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe and big shouts to sam for joining in we appreciate you combo nation don't forget to rate review and if you haven't already punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to combos court be on the lookout for episode two four three combo out